Amen, amen. So if you can look at the screen, can anyone try to pronounce that word? Marantha. <laughs> Marantha. Uh, this, is, this will be your first Greek word that you will be learning here as a GMI flight. Everyone say Maranatha. Yes, Maranatha. You can take out Maran, split that, and say Atha. Maranatha, Maranatha. Maranatha, Maranatha, same thing. And this word in Greek actually means, come, Lord Jesus. Can everyone say, come, Lord Jesus? And this is actually the theme of retreat, Maranatha. And as I was praying for this year, God was really pressing upon my heart like, God desires to be with his people. If we read all throughout the Old Testament, uh, God makes this thing called the tabernacle. Everyone know what a tabernacle is? It's a dwelling place, right? And so God is a God that is jealous. God is jealous for you and I. And because we are his children, you are his sons and daughters, we are his sons and daughters, he can't help but to be in relationship. He wants to be in relationship with us because we're his sons, we're his daughters. And there was this, like, pressing in my heart, like, this is the word for the year. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. And this will be the theme for this entire year. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. I'm going to say it a lot of times so that you guys can get it. But these aren't just words that we're saying. But come Lord Jesus, that's like a, a, a cry. You know, that's like you're saying like, Jesus, I need you to come. Come into my life. Come into my school. Come into my relationships. Come into my family. There's a lot of things that Jesus can come into our lives. And especially in this ministry, we need Jesus to come or else this ministry, it, it, it's, it's really pointless for all of us to come every Sunday, every Friday and just play. Not saying that's great. Not saying that's not great. But we come here because of Jesus. And that's what this ministry is going to look like for the next year. It is called Maranatha, Come Lord Jesus. And so there are three vision points that I do want to make. But before we get into it, if we go to the next slide, this uh, come Lord Jesus actually comes from Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. This is actually the last chapter of the entire book. It's almost wrapping up. And in this last verse, not last verse, but in this particular verse, right before the Bible is about to end, it says this. The spirit and the bride say come. Everyone say come. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. What this passage is basically saying is the spirit, the capital S, that is the Holy Spirit. And the spirit and the bride, that might sound a little weird, but in the general context of the Bible, we are actually the bride of Christ. The male, I know usually the females are called the bride, right, the bride and groom. But Jesus is actually the groom and we are actually the bride, the bride of Christ. Because we are going to be married to him when we see him face to face, when he comes again, right. There's going to be a marriage feast that's waiting for us. That's why there's this analogy called the bride. Every male that that. Every male here, including myself, we are brides in Christ. And so what this verse is saying is the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Trinity, and his people, 
are saying, come. When we say that word together, there is a unity in saying, Jesus, I need you to come. And not only am I saying Jesus to come into this world, but the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is actually saying, come to me as well. And so that is the reason why this year is going to look and the verse is saying, come Lord Jesus, because we want God to come into this ministry, but also we have to understand that God wants actually you to come to him as well. Why? Because he is jealous. He wants to make his dwelling not just in a tabernacle, not just in a building, but most importantly, in our hearts. Amen? And that is going to be the vision for this entire year. If you could go to the next slide. So we have th- I have three points that I want to make. Three vision points. The first one is prayer and worship. Can everyone say prayer and worship? Prayer and worship is very, very, very important. This is probably one of the most important things that we can do as Christians, as sons and daughters. It says in Psalms 27 verse 4, it says this, One thing, everyone say one thing. I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, and to seek him in his temple. This is King David crying out, praying to the Lord, God, if there's one thing, one thing I ask from the Lord, this one thing I only do seek is what? That he may dwell. Everyone say dwell. Dwell in the house of the Lord. What dwell means is basically just sitting being in his presence. And this upcoming year, all all of us here, I want us to be able to fall in love with God's presence. I want us to be able to fall in love by coming to church, by wanting to worship, by wanting to pray, by wanting to come to Friday service. Like there will be a desire for you to come and want to meet God face to face. And that only happens through prayer and worship. And I really believe, and in my own personal life as well, as I'm experiencing this, a lot of us, we just need to come to church. Like a lot of us, we've gotten so comfortable with being at home, especially during the quarantine, the pandemic, that we've lost this desire to come to church. You know, I'm not limiting the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is everywhere at all times. But there's something different when we all gather at church as a body of Christ, as a ministry, people sitting next to you, not just in your rooms through a Zoom screen, but there's something different when the people of God come together and we worship together. And I'm sure for those that are, have done online worship and for those that came in person, it's different, right? Like, honestly, it's really different. That's why we need to come into the presence of God in this building as a church, as a ministry. And my prayer is that We would all desire this, to just come into the presence of God, to seek his face, to dwell upon his beauty. Let's go to the next slide. It says in also Exodus chapter 29, verses 45 to 46. Then I will dwell, everyone say dwell, among the Israelites and be their God. They will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt so that I might what? Dwell among them. I am the Lord, their God. What I mentioned earlier about how God desires to be with his people, this is during the time when God was saying, you know what? I'm so jealous for my people. 
that I want to make a dwelling place with them. And we, there's a section in Exodus where the building of the tabernacle comes, right? There's a lot of measurements and, like, you know, a lot of us skip those things. But there's a reason why God made that tabernacle. It's so that he would dwell with us, that he would sit with us, that he would be with us. And this is here. Not only is the building a tabernacle now, but the tabernacle is also in our hearts. God dwells in our hearts, not only in the building, but inside each and every one of you guys. Like God wants to dwell with you. And I really pray that you would have that desire as, as you know that God wants to meet you, that there will be like, oh man, God, I want to dwell with you too. If we go to the next slide, it says in Mark chapter 14, verse 38, watch and pray. Everyone say watch and pray. So that you would not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is talking about when uh, the three of his disciples go with Jesus into Mount, uh, uh, the Garden of Gethsemane right before he's about to get crucified. And basically, the disciples can't hang with him. They're so tired. They're falling asleep. They can't pray with Jesus for an hour. And Jesus tells the disciples, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. When we come into the presence of God, there is something that happens. There's something that happens when we pray. Okay? And personally, this is something I'm learning as well. But we all need to be Christians that pray. Why? Because it says, watch and pray so that you would not fall into temptation. A lot of us fall into temptation. I fall into temptation. Leaders fall into te temptation. Every single one of us fall into temptation. It's a given. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. But Jesus tells us something that will help us to not fall into temptation. And I don't know if you guys have been falling into temptation left and right, and you guys have been falling into temptation more and more and more, but... When we pray, when we worship God, we align our hearts to Him. We are filled with the Holy Spirit so that we will not fall into temptation. And I want us to be able to see the value of prayer and worship. What happens when we just come into the presence of God, when we come into this building, when we spend time with God, that we would see the power of God being manifested in our lives and that we would see like, hey, yeah, I've been praying. And I haven't been falling into temptation as much. That's the power of prayer. And this is something that I'm saying to you, but unless you actually do it, you guys will never experience it. Unless you actually start to pray. Unless you actually start to do the things that not only am I telling you to do, but the Word of God is telling you to do, that you will never experience this very verse that you were never able to experience the power of prayer. And that's what I want to instill in us this year, that we would see the power of prayer come into our lives. Amen? If we can go to the next, skip those two slides, and then go to 2 Samuel. It says this, David again brought all together all the, young, all the able young men of Israel, 30,000. He and all his men went to Baalah in Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord, 
God Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. So in this particular verse, so I'm like breezing through it, but in this verse, this is when King David becomes king. We all know the story of King Saul. King Saul was not a very good king, right? He, he, uh, he failed at the end. He didn't wait for the prophet. And what happens? His kingship is gone. And we all know the story where King David is like being chased and like Saul's about to kill him. And we see that King David is going to be king, but he had to wait. And in this particular passage, King David actually starts to become king. And the first thing that he does is, anyone know the answer? What's the first thing that King David does when he becomes king? I'll, I'll go, well, can you give me your name? Isaiah Troy. Isaiah Troy, what does King David do? Not the tabernacle, but what was another name for it? Yeah, Ark of what? It's close. Ark of what? What's your name? David Kim. Ark of the Covenant. Basically, which is the tabernacle. And the reason why I bring this up is because in this new ministry, in this new year, I want us to be able to value and honor the presence of God. Say, can everyone say value and honor? David honored the presence of God. David saw that they needed the Ark of the Covenant to do anything. And we see that King Saul's life, he didn't have the Ark of the Covenant. And what happened? He failed. But King David saw something different. He had a reliance and a dependence on the Lord. And I want us to be able to understand King David's heart in this way, that we would honor God's presence, that we would honor God's house, that we would honor God here in this place. And what's crazy is I learned in the seminary that in the passage, somewhere in 2 Samuel, I can't get to it right now, but we know that God, uh, that David honored God by wanting to build him a house. And what's crazy is when God honored David, or when David honored God, God actually honored David as well. And so there is a blessing when we honor God in his presence. And I don't, I don't want us to, like, when we have this time of worship, like, to talk with our friends, you know, like, in the middle of worship, all those things. But to understand who is in the room. To honor God, not just here, but in our lives. And as we honor God, as we value God, God will value us and honor us. Because as David built the house of God, God also built David a mansion, a house. And I'm not saying do it for the mansion, do it for that. But there is a significance when we honor God and put God first that God will also honor and value us as well. And lastly, for this prayer and worship, if we go to the next slide, it says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I know for some of you uh, junior hires, we have a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of worry about, you know, how am I going to, what school am I going to go to? Like, how am I going to fit in junior high? Like, what friends am I going to make? 
Like, am I going to, like, be okay, like, by myself or a new school, new environment? Here in this verse, my prayer is that we, in everything that we are worried about, anxious about, that we would come to God in prayer. That we would see the power of prayer come into our lives. No matter how small, no matter how insignificant it may be, that we will be able to come before God and see God answer our prayers. That's the best way that we would be able to experience God in this way, that we will see God answering our prayers. And I want us to be able to understand the heart that, you know, yes, God could come into a worship room. God could come into a retreat. But in our personal lives, that's where we may be able to see the power of God through the power of prayer. And a lot of us, we don't pray. A lot of us, we try to do it on our own. But this year, as I'm praying myself too, as I'm witnessing the power of prayer, my prayer is that you would also see the power of prayer, that you would give it a shot, that you would take me for my word and for the word of God, and that you would see the power of prayer. So go to the next slide. The second value and the vision that I will want us to have this year is the word of God. Everyone say the word of God. It says in John chapter 6, verse 68, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. For you guys that are growing up in a social media generation where you guys literally have phones, you guys have iPads, you guys have MacBooks, you guys have every electronic device out there. There is a source that we get our information from, whether that's social media, whether that's the news, YouTube, influencers, whoever it may be. We are being dictated. We are being led by whatever thing that we listen to. And especially in your guys' generation, I want you guys to be able to read the Word of God. Like seriously, like read the Word of God. Because this is the truth. And everything that is in social media, everything that comes out of there, that's not like a pastor or uh, a good, you know, like good Christian stuff. You know, we're going we're gonna to be able, to, we're going to listen to those lies and be led by those lies. And especially for you young junior high, 6th, 7th, 8th graders, this is a time where you need to read the word of God and be rooted and grounded in the Word of God. And so my prayer is that you guys would read Bible time every single day. Every single day. It's just one chapter, two chapters, three chapters max. One day. That's all we're asking you. Do your Bible times. If you don't have a Bible time, I will go buy you one because there is importance in reading the Word of God. And I want you guys to give it a shot. See what happens when you start reading the Bible every single day. Your life will literally change. Like I guarantee you. Read the Word of God every single day. That is a value and a vision that we have as a ministry. That we would not only read Bible time, but you could read more than Bible time. You can read the Word of God and be transformed through the Word of God. So we can go to the next slide. It says this 
Oh, not in John chapter 6. I messed up. But it says in Nehemiah, it says this, Then Ezra opened the book in sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen. With the, with the raising of their hands, then they kneeled down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So in this particular uh, story, Ezra, they were building the temple. They were rebuilding the temple. And what happens is Ezra just comes up like a podium like this. He opens the book of the law. Okay? And what he does is he just starts reading the book of the law. And what happens is the book of the law actually starts to have its power. And people start to kneel. People start to worship the Lord. And people start to weep. Because, let me tell you, the word of God has power. The word of God is living and active. If you can go to the next slide. It says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for the word of God is alive and active. Everyone say alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrows. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I want you guys to understand how much power the Word of God has. This is not just the Bible. This is not just some paper. This is not just something that, you know, we tell you to do. But this Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any sword that you play your games with. It kills people, but you know what the Word of God does? It actually penetrates. It pierces through your heart because this is the truth, and the truth will set you free. And I want you to experience the transforming power of the Word, that you would start to have a hunger and a thirst for the Word of God. A lot of people, we eat three meals a day, right? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Or people eat more than that. Five meals a day. But I was convicted last year that so many of us are so fixated on eating the physical things rather than the spiritual things. We're getting spiritually fat, but we're spiritually sticks and bones. We have no flesh in us because we're not reading the Word of God. The Word of God, Jesus says in John chapter 6, He is the bread of life. And a lot of us, we're, we're starving spiritually. We're dying because we don't read the word of God. We don't pray. And you come to Sunday service and Friday service like, oh, why am I like this? Because you only eat Sunday and Friday for your spiritual food. We need to eat every day. We don't tell you guys to read your Bibles every day because we're paid to and we're telling you to do it because we're forced to. No. There is a reason why we tell you because this word is alive and active. Amen? I really pray and hope that you would have a desire to want to read the word of God. To see God move in your life through the word of God and say, oh my goodness, God, this is happening in my life. You are so real. And I can tell you all these things over and over and over again, but it won't become a reality if you don't actually obey the word of God, if you don't put it into practice. That's my challenge for you, that you will be able to read the word of God, pray, worship God, and see the power of God move upon your life. Amen? Lastly, the third vision 
is faith and love through actions. You know, a lot of us, we come to church, we become good people, but we don't, it doesn't end there. When we come to church, we don't just become great people, but our faith and our love should actually, uh, we should love through our actions. Faith isn't just believing, but faith without deeds is actually considered dead. It says in James chapter 2, verses 14 to 17, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is what? It's dead. It is dead. This is straight from the Word of God. And I want us to be a people not that, ju- that just not believe in God, but show it through our actions that we actually believe in God. In your relationships, when you go to school, that people will actually know that you are a Christian and that you will not be ashamed of it. We can be a Christian at church, but when we go to school, we're just like the people, like our friends. Copying homework, cheating, playing games during school, doing bad things, doing the things that we shouldn't be doing. What separates you from the world? You're just the same. And this year, I want all of us to be a people that have faith, not just to have faith that we say, yeah, I believe in God, but that it will show through our actions. It will show through our character. It will show through our, the way that we live our lives. Amen? And lastly, uh, we can go to the second to last slide. It says in John chapter 13, verse 35, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. People will know you by your love. People will know you by the way that you love others. Why? Because the love of Jesus is in you. And we can't love others without loving God first. That's the first and greatest commandment. And this year, my prayer is that you guys would encounter the love of God every single day, every single week, and that it wouldn't just keep it inside your own hearts, but that you would start to love others as you love God and as you love yourself. Let's go to the next, last slide. I know I said a lot. I know there was a lot of things that I said, but the three things that we're going after this year, can you say with me? Number one, prayer and worship. Say it with me. Number two, Word of God. And number three, faith and love through actions. These three things is what we're going to be going after as a ministry this year. I'm going sh- to make sure that we pray and worship, that we read the Word of God, and that we will be a people that show the world who Jesus is by our actions, by the way that we love. And ultimately, with all this said, that our cry would be Maranatha, which means, come Lord Jesus. 
through everything that, that we do, that we would desire Jesus to come into this ministry and ultimately come into our lives. Amen? Let's really do this. I really believe that you guys will be the next generation that will usher in the second coming of Jesus. That we would be a man and woman of God that love Jesus wholeheartedly. And that you would fall in love with Jesus in your time in junior high ministry. Amen. Why don't we close our eyes, let's bow our heads, and let's pray. Father, we come before you. And God, we give this year unto you. God, we surrender it. And God, we say that this ministry is your ministry. It is not my ministry. It is not someone else's ministry. It is not Pastor Han's ministry. God, but it is your ministry. And we ask, Lord, that you will be with all of us as we go through this year. That more than these visions, God, I really pray that we would just encounter you. That those that don't know you, God, I pray that you would stir in our hearts a hunger, a thirst to know you. And that our hearts cry would be, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, into my heart and into my life. So, Father, be with us, be with the leadership, be with myself and Pastor Lena as we lead this ministry for your glory. So we thank you and we love you. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Don't go yet.